Um, I, uh, I read a survey conducted a few years ago and it began with the question, what do most Americans worry about the most? And the um, answer was money. And what makes Americans happiest? Money. What makes Americans unhappy? Money. Interesting, isn't it? So um, it's sort of like the usage of the word hell. You know, have you heard people say, it's cold as hell? Somebody else is hot as hell. What? I don't know how we use that. But money is it kind of a, there are conflicting thoughts many times with the subject about money. Some people think money and spirituality don't mix. That somehow poverty is more spiritual uh, than prosperity. And we've heard it said money can't buy happiness. Well, that's true. But poverty can't buy happiness either. You know, uh, happiness is, is something that we individually choose as far as our moods and our attitudes and so on. And it really has nothing to do with what we have or don't have. First Timothy 6.10 is often misquoted. <clears throat> Actually, the scripture says, the love of money is the root of evils of all kind. Money isn't the root of evil. And scripture doesn't say that. Money is neutral. It really doesn't have any power in and of itself to do anything, uh, either good or not so good. It's um, the attitude of the one who is handling money, of course. So if we have a warped attitude about money, then we may misuse it. But if we have a, 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 a healthy attitude about it, Larry has a healthy attitude about money. He says, money needs me. It can't do a thing without me. <laughs> True. So recently we've been talking about um, a deeper look at Unity's teachings about prosperity and trustfully we are offering some things to think about and some practical ways of putting um, principles into practice. You know, spiritual principle is not airy-fairy. It's usable and it's workable and um, we can demonstrate it and see the results of it in our life. So um, one thing I wanted to start out with, something I do, when I write the dollar sign, and I'm writing a check or an amount on something, I see that as an H and an S, Holy Spirit. So maybe throw that out to you. You might like to use that too. Just that little acknowledgement can make a big difference. So, quick review. Unity's definition of prosperity is the consciousness of God as abundant, everywhere present resource, unfailing, ready for all who, who open themselves to it through faith. So, what does this mean? One thing it means is that our source of prosperity is uh, our or our connection with prosperity is within us, not outside of us. That no one can give prosperity to us from without, and no one can withhold our prosperity from without. It's all an inside job, and it's being connected from within. I often say, 
if we can figure out for ourselves how a rose bush gets roses, we've got it. We understand it's within, it's from within. Um, our prosperity is not first, the idea of prosperity is not first a something. We can get sidetracked and, and uh, think that it is, but it's not. It is first a God idea, but it's a very real idea. It's the idea that supports the entire universe, life, all creation. Our, our prosperity comes from an understanding of God as our source. In other words, our source is not where we receive income. It's not where we receive a wage or an allowance or a stipend or interest or dividends. That's not the source of our prosperity. The source of our prosperity is God, and that's a flow that's moving through us. It's vital for us to realize the difference between source and channel. Source is never ending. It is never limited, never closed off. Channels can be limited, and channels almost always change. In fact, they change many, many times. But if we can stay true to knowing what is source and what is channel, the difference, then we will be on solid ground in our thinking and in our experience of life. When we understand God as source that's forever flowing, we understand that we have a part in how that flows, in other words, in directing the flow. And of course, our thoughts, our words, our beliefs are a part of that because they give direction to this living energy, this vibrant energy that supports all creation. So today we want to touch on some reminders about <clears throat> how we do direct that energy and how we uh, want to think about directing that energy in our prosperity experience. <clears throat> the first has to do with the power of blessing. Charles Fillmore, co-founder of Unity, wrote in uh, his book, Prosperity, when we bless money or anything else, we set the law of increase into motion. And we've talked previously about uh, blessing, as we're blessing our money, as we're paying our bills, or as we're giving a, a donation or a gift or whatever. Well, he takes us a step further and talks about establishing prosperity in the home with the power of blessing. And he says, um, we can begin building up a positive atmosphere in our home, a prosperous atmosphere in our home. Uh, and because like attracts like, when we are aware of what is being said in the home, that begins to have an attracting power. Um, so we want to be aware of what we're saying. Watch our words. As he says, they're like seeds being planted. And so he, he gave some examples of things not to do. Um, don't say money is scarce. That scares money away. Uh, don't say times are hard. That tightens and restricts the flow of our good. Don't condemn anything in the home or call it shabby or old. Instead, bless it. Bless what you have now, and that very attitude of blessing will open the way for new 
to flow and, and be experienced. That's the same is true, by the way, if you're in a home that you don't particularly appreciate or a job you don't appreciate or a relationship that you wish was better. Begin blessing where you are right now, giving thanks. I'm in my perfect home. I'm in my perfect employment. I'm in my perfect relationship. That very energy, because like attracts like, will draw more of those of the positive experiences that we want. Something he said that has stuck with me since the very first time I read it years ago was, even the walls have ears. You know, we're in living energy, right? So even the walls have ears. So um, think about this. And you know, who of us hasn't walked into a home where we may never have been before or heard any previous words spoken there, but we heard the energy there? Am, am I right? Haven't we all had that experience? And by the way, did you know the reason so many people feel and hear positive energy here at Unity of Tucson is behind the, the wallboard, there are studs with positive affirmations on them. When this building was being built on the concrete everywhere, that's why you feel it. It's here. It's very real. Second thing, second reminder is the important uh, part that letting go has in the whole prosperity process. Inwardly and outwardly, letting go is important so that flow can take place. So inwardly, there are many things that can constrict the flow, but one, uh, a big one, is unforgiveness. Um, unforgiveness causes a tight hold, and energy can't flow when we're hanging on. Uh, it's, it's, it, it's like the flow is constricted. It's like a knot in the uh, water hose, whatever. So other thoughts that cause a restriction. Unworthiness, feeling we don't deserve. Um, and especially, and I hear this in speaking with people, especially uh, people sometimes have the thought that they don't deserve because of how they have misused money in the past or how they haven't been trustworthy with money in the past or mistakes that they've made whether it's to do with money or anything else. You see, not trusting ourselves, being unforgiving of ourselves, being unforgiving of others, all this constricts the flow. So we want to think about this, not just with prosperity, but with health and well-being in all areas of life. So forgiveness is huge. Forgiveness of others is important to our well-being. It, it, it really doesn't affect another that much, but it does affect us a lot. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Carries a, a truth in it. In other words, to the extent that we are forgiving and releasing, we feel forgiven and we feel a release in our life. My sense about forgiveness is essentially it's self-forgiveness. You know, it kind of looks sometimes like it's about forgiving someone else. But I always find I circle around, and it, 
back, I'm looking at myself in the mirror. It's how I responded that, I, that I'm feeling unforgiving or I'm having hard thoughts about. But anyway, so okay, I almost can hear someone saying, but somebody wronged me, you know. And just about everybody who knows about this situation, everybody I've talked to agrees I have been wronged. Bottom line, holding on to this story of being wronged will not open your flow. And it won't open my flow. And we won't be free to be prosperous. That's the thing. That's the bottom line. So how do we go about forgiving that, those words, having that reminder? How do we go about forgiving? Well, it's simple. I'd say it was easy. It's simple. It's figuring out a way to replace the thoughts and feelings that we have held with something else. That's how simple forgiveness is. But it's not always easy because we have so practiced, we have gotten so good at feeling wronged or hurt or whatever it is, that um, it, it's sort of our default position. But we can make a change. And a change of perspective is what it takes. Because when we figure out a way, and I, I can't tell you a magic formula. I've done a lot of different ways that have worked for me in my life. But we'll figure it out. We'll figure out what it works for us, how it works for us. But when we do figure it out, um, we will get what we want. We'll be opening the door so that we can get what we want. And it isn't for anyone else. It's for us. From my experience, it takes some practice. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Breakthroughs and demonstrations are just ready to flow. I tell you. If we can release that hole that we've had, that story we've been telling, that we were rejected, that we were abandoned, that we were thrown under the bus, that we were fired, that we were left for dead, you know, on and on. We've, we've got our stories. But if we can figure out a way to see that, in another way. Reframe that. Um, it will help. Sometimes I simply say to myself, Holy Spirit, help me see this in a different way. Help me see this in a different way. And, you know, I think about things in a very practical sort of way about how we apply things already in our life. Do you, do you have to forgive your dog or your cat for barfing on your clean floor or carpet? Do you? Do you have to forgive that red light that made you stop? Now, we see those things in a different way, don't we? We don't hold it against it. Well, for me, what helps is, and I, I know this sometimes sounds trite, but just taking thought well, we were doing the best we knew how 
given what we knew then, we were doing the best we knew how. And the same with other people. Now, sometimes people want to get their back up with that and say, no, they knew better. Wait a minute. We don't know what's in somebody else's mind and heart. So um, when we know better, we do better. You know that saying, but that's true. That's very true. But at some point, I guess this is really my bottom line with this, we're going to get it. We're going to get it that we can't change our past. We're going to get it that other people don't always act the way we want them to act. We're going to get it. And when we get it that we can't control anyone else, we don't get to say how they think, feel, act, what decisions they make. When we get it, we're going to get it. And what we're going to get is the opening of our flow. Does that make sense? We, we get it. And, you know, just the thought that we can control other people, over and over I hear this, I come up with it myself every now and then too. But that thought is, to say the least, very stressful. <laughs> because we can't control anybody else. We can only deal with ourselves, can't we? In the book Prosperity, Charles Fillmore shared some profound realizations. I'll just go over them quickly. But each one is like a, a, a could have a, a, a whole half hour um, uh, commentary or, or a thought on it. Thoughts are things and occupy space in mind. So what, whatever we're thinking on, that's occupying our space. We're giving airtime to that. So we get to choose what we're going to do with that. Another one. We can't love and trust God and at the same time hate and distrust people. Take breath on that one. That's huge, isn't it? It's huge. Thinking others can take what is ours from us generates fear. And we know how like attracts like, right? And how, what fear attracts or draws into our life. We don't want it. Another thing, thinking another owes us something keeps us in bondage and keeps us attached to the belief in debt. It's the belief in debt. And he goes over and over in this uh, next statement. Debt exists in the mind, and in the mind is the only place to begin liquidating debt. It's not an outside job first. It's an inside job first. Probably because the debt itself began with the thought that somebody owes us something or that somebody can keep our good from us. So when we release that one, then we release our flow and debts can get paid. Here's a saying that I read in more than one place in his writings. I owe no man anything but love. And he clarifies that by saying, this doesn't mean not paying one's bills but it means replacing the concept of debt with love. Now that's one we can work with this week. I owe no one anything but love. So pay that debt first and the bill 
will get paid. And then the last thing I wanted to mention was house cleaning, not, not uh, outer house cleaning first, although that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> present company accepted. Some people's floors you don't want to eat off of, but then uh, who eats off the floor, you know, so. But inner house cleaning, right? Inner house cleaning is more important. It is most important. Letting go within of the lack thoughts, the, the worn out thoughts and so on, makes room for the new that we want. So a way to put feet on this concept then of, of release is to physically release something. And maybe you might think about this. Um, maybe there is something that is no longer being used. Doesn't have to be a lot of stuff. We can start with one thing or one drawer or, you know, something that is no longer being used, but it's taking up space. And, and we really want something more appropriate in that space. So bless it for its good service and then release it to someone else whether it's an organization or a person or whatever. But just one caveat here. If we are releasing it to a person, someone we know, let's make sure there are no strings attached to it. No going back and checking to see if they are using it or they've kept it or no keeping track, none of that, you see, because that's not giving. That's a yo-yo. <laughs> That's not giving. And so if something isn't released, then, of course, we don't have the benefit.